You are listening to WERA-FM 96.7 Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to This Sold House. We are broadcasting from the studios of Arlington Independent Media in the Clarendon area of Arlington. Arlington is home to people from all over the world who enjoy having people outside the D.C. area think they live in a cemetery. I'm Alyssa Cannon. I'm Renee Fisher. We're your hosts. We're also realtors with McInerney Associates Realtors in Arlington. Together, we've had a ton of experience in real estate. We'd like to share the benefit of that experience with you. This morning, we have a local celebrity in the studio, Miriam Gennari, better known as Styrofoam Mom. I feel like the first question should be how you feel about being named after something so odious. But I won't go there. (laughs) Miriam has a really interesting story. Welcome, Miriam. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Would you like to tell us, tell us about this styrofoam thing, how you morphed into, you went from being Miriam Gennari, just real human being, right? Actual person to being styrofoam mom. Well, at first, I want to thank you, Renee and Alyssa, for having me here. Absolutely. Um, I I admire the work that you're doing, and you both have lovely voices. So um, I I enjoy listening to you on the radio. Thank you so much. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it's true. Uh, So um, the story of Styrofoam Mom, I guess really the reason that I accepted the name Styrofoam Mom when it was given to me was because what I was doing was a very mom-like behavior reminding people over and over again, not giving up, just like if your child was chewing gum with their mouth open or leaving the lights on or letting the water run. Or worse. Or or worse. (laughs) We just don't stop being moms. It's something that lasts forever. And I thought, well, you know, since styrofoam does last forever, uh, essentially when you think about how long it takes to degrade in the environment, it seemed like um, a, a reasonable thing to call me. I will say, though, that probably many um, women, and I would probably say yourselves included, also carry the characteristics of styrofoam mom. So I share that name with people who are persistent, um, and that's that's really what's needed in our world right now. Well, it also sounds like it's a caretaking mode. Yeah, of persistence. Yeah, I think yeah. that that everything um, our planet was created with a certain um, certain amounts of finite resources. Styrofoam is drawn from those resources, and so if you respect everything that is created that um, exists on this planet, then you know we have to we have to be good caretakers. And I say at the end of the movie, you know, the whole idea of styrofoam mom not going away is the most optimistic part of the journey. I love that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's right. So you just, I, do you notice the way Miriam just sort of threw in, I say this in the movie? <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> We'd love to like, hear about the movie. Oh, the movie. Okay, yes, the movie. Yeah. Or somebody would say, I mentioned this in my novel. You know, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, okay. yes. So, so when, you know. Believe me, when, I'm not bragging. <laughs> that was a No, big... I know. I just love <laughs> it. I love it, you know. We'd like to hear um, more. <laughs> yes, yes. So when you got to the point 
you know, here you were talking about styrofoam with your kids, Mm -hmm. whatever, being offended by it, um, appalled by it. What, What was the moment? What happened in the moment where you switched from complaining about it and hating it to taking action? What was that moment? Well, I think that um, involving yourself in something that you don't know an awful lot about because it troubles you, um, we often make snap judgments. We say to ourselves, well, this shouldn't be that way. Parents shouldn't do this or these people shouldn't do that. And so we make a lot of judgments. And I did that with with styrofoam as well as a lot of issues. Uh, My first forte into um, activism was I was just trying to teach my daughters to be better stewards, and um, I had had spoiled them a little bit. Um, In my second marriage, my husband was very good at pointing that out. (laughs) (laughs) And so I um, was trying to make changes, and I noticed that the schools were not reinforcing a lot of the values that I was teaching. So I thought, well, it's very simple. I'll just write a letter to the superintendent. Sure, like things like that are so simple. So simple, right? right? Yeah, and I change things. Sure. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. things seem obvious. You know, right. if you wouldn't it's mind, obvious. Yeah. shut off yeah. the lights when the teachers <laughs> leave the school. I think right. that would be exactly. helpful. If you're going to build new buildings, make sure they don't consume <laughs> 10 times the energy of and the, the previous. And the superintendent's reading going, Wow, yes. Thanks, Miriam. Let's do it. Thanks, Miriam. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Hardly the case, but he was kind enough to respond. Okay. And all of his responses were, I think, um, ridiculous. One of them was that the reason that they're not going to worry about shutting off the lights in the schools is because eventually the schools are going to get motion sensor lighting. And and my thought was, well— why I'm not getting motion sensor lighting. <laughs> right. Well, and so, you're trying to teach your children. Right. So, I love it. I love this. Don't worry yes. about those values. Right. right. So, what were some of the values, um, just on a more simplistic scale, as you were saying, trying to teach your children? Turning off lights, obviously, was one of them. Well, I think I think when what we've done in society is that we've made uh, we've created a single use society and we've assigned very little value to things. Mm-hmm. We're basically trying to keep up. And so, you know, some uh, and I was guilty of this. I mean, I remember going in my daughter's room and going, gosh, your Barbie doesn't have red shoes. You know, how ridiculous wow. is that? Right. Wow. I really so. So. Yeah. And also, I think um, that was right around the time when the inconvenient truth came out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I was really indicted by that. I think a lot of people can go and see things and have an emotional feeling about it, but leave it behind. But I felt a certain responsibility. I did a lot of work with kids. Um, I was a soccer coach mm-hmm. and I I went on this path of really believing that environmental literacy mm-hmm. was really the key to making our children mm-hmm. have more mm-hmm. value for the things around them. Yes. So this was not a happy day for my children. They will tell you that I don't know what happened to my mom. She got a lobotomy or something. <laughs> so, or, or you came to your senses. I came to my senses. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. But you must get to see. I would imagine now, at some point, you'll see them picking up those behaviors and then sharing them with others, because that kind of happens by nature. Okay, listeners can't see this, but influence. Miriam is smiling now. <laughs> well, and it's sort of like a Mona Lisa kind <laughs> she's of smile. Wait, still waiting. You for don't. It to you don't know quite what what's thinking. going on here. Yes. Well, I remember my older daughter in a conversation saying to someone she'd wanted to drive so much she wanted a car. We're walking distance to the metro, so it didn't make any sense. Right. Sure. Um, and I remember somebody saying to her, "You know, you're you're 26 years old. Why don't you have your own car?" And she's like, 
why would I? She's like, it's bad for the environment. There's no need for it. It's all these extra good for And I was like, oh. Yay, right. <laughs> Proud mom. Right. Yeah. I, of course, you yeah. have to be very careful not to take any credit for no, those revelations. You sure. can't Absolutely do that. Not. No. You cannot do that. No, I actually tried doing that with my son. And it backfired. <laughs> very recently. Yeah, I did. And I he tried made it doing clear. That. It was my and accomplishment. He said, mom, excuse me. I was that way before we had that talk. And I said, oh, okay. 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 You're right. No, you're absolutely right. As long as you're that way now. That's right. As long as you're that way now. Yeah. That's fine. Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, the, that, that foray into um, being involved in the schools. I have to say one of my most proud moments. You remember Ira Flato, the radio sure, show? I, sure. I used to listen to him constantly. Yeah. And I felt that a lot of the opportunities for being out in the environment were more exclusive to uh, communities where there was more affluence. And most mm-hmm. of that affluence mm-hmm. comes from moms having more time right. because sure. they can be involved in the schools. Yes. So I started a program at Claremont called Science Friday. Um, I didn't ask permission. It was just a, the title of the after-school mm-hmm. program. And 60 kids arrived wow. to stay after school and talk about science. And wow. I remember being so overwhelmed because I had no volunteers, 60 children from the age of Montessori to fifth grade. Wow. That's terrific. But because I was able to organize the kids and create leadership among them, mm-hmm. the fifth graders became, um, we, used to, we used to always say, we're good as long as we can find Montessori. Everyone, <laughs> find Montessori. <laughs> sure, so sure. anyway, that, that, I really enjoyed that. Um, but I, I, what I found was amazing, and this is true in the environmental movement, is that there was so much pushback. And negativity. I mean, there are people who will fight for more salt in their kids' food. Of course. I, I, was, I, I never expected yeah. it. So much was um, a learning experience. I did end up um, not accepting the superintendent's letter. I ran for school board. And mm. um, that, was, that was painful, too. You know, it was, it was hard to put yourself out there. But to the credit of Arlington County, if you can get your name on the ballot— then you have the opportunity to attend debates. And, and you if, have a voice. Exactly. It gives you a voice. It gives you a voice. Sure. And, and you have an audience at every right. civic association right. meeting. So everyone told me it was going to be very clear if I didn't run as a Democrat, I didn't have a chance in hell. But it wasn't really about winning. It was about, um, you know, sharing the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And a platform and, to right. get the word out. Exactly. Sure. And so even though they tore me to shreds, um, you know, during those meetings on the things that I didn't know, mm-hmm. the things that I did know, I stayed to topic. And um, so three days before the election, there was a special school board uh, meeting. Somebody sent mm-hmm. me a message, you should go. The room was empty. There was mm-hmm. no audience. And that day they adopted the energy um, environment and recycling initiative, which wow. was my entire okay, platform. Okay, that was your platform. And right. so the papers may have said two days later that, you know, she only got 23% of the vote. She got slaughtered. But mm-hmm. your work was done. But my yeah, work was done, you, and right. I felt you really good about it. Yeah. What you came there to do. Yeah. yeah. But, but at the same time, you think that you've accomplished something, and then what you realize is that it's more complicated than you mm-hmm. think. You really have to stay. Right. You cannot just drop the mic and move on mm-hmm. because that doesn't mean that people just because you had a great idea or something got started right. that it right. doesn't need some husbandry yeah. along the way. Well, and you're passionate about it. And so you're the one that's able to carry the passion. And that's obviously came through and is coming through as you continue that journey. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's it's not something I wanted to do. I'll right. I'll be honest. I really wanted to be done after that. But it was the children that came back to me. And yes, we got rid of the styrofoam trays in Arlington. But then the kids said, you know, Ms. Chinari, those those trays aren't being recycled. And I did mm. look into it, and they weren't being composted or recycled. Mm. They were being burned. They well. did cost more money. And they weighed more, so more to dispose of. And they could have potentially cost some people their jobs or programs in the schools. Mm. And then that was really the green light for me to say, I need to really better understand this material. And nobody, not any organization, nonprofit group, uh, Eco Action, um, Sierra Club at that time, really wanted to have a discussion about styrofoam. Um, they they basically and and this is only changing now in this current climate. Are people realizing that you just can't give up something? You need to create a supply chain for everything that you create, and that complexity. The the last event that we had, I had the children chant sustainable material management mm. because at the core of everything that we want for our future economy. Resource management is part of that. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of where I, I started this journey with my children. And that is really where I find myself today. But not talking at the grassroots level anymore, but at the highest level of mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting um, to hear you talk about it more because even myself lately, and there have been a couple programs on the news in the last few days about how we're not able to send stuff to China any longer. Um, and that a lot of our stuff is contaminated and they're going through what you can and can't recycle. And I think I know like my niece and nephew are more aware of what those things are even than myself um, because they're growing up in that generation where everything is very clear, whereas I'm still trying to learn. And, you know, sometimes saying to my husband, you think that thing's recyclable and it's not. Yeah. And and wishful recycling or even wishful um, policy is not the way to get things done. I think we Mm -hmm. really have to have honest conversations and industry doesn't want to have honest conversations because it makes them accountable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, in in Virginia, I think a lot of environmental groups kind of fall back on the fact that the Dillon rule is an excuse not to do anything. Mm -hmm. The Dillon rule, um, for people who don't understand what that means, is that almost anything that a city might want to impose on their community, um, if it might cost them money, is considered a tax. It cannot be done Mm -hmm. only through the General um, Assembly or the Mm legislature. Legislature in Virginia, but but to me, there's policy that exists that doesn't require any, um, you know, legality. It would be very simple for Arlington County government to say, from here on out, we're not going to purchase styrofoam, and we're not going to hold events that serve food on styrofoam. That sure. sends a powerful message to people right. to make a shift. Mm-hmm. But um, it's is, a, it, is it because then they have to think of what that other thing is to use? Yeah. And, and, and actually, you know, Arlington Public Schools got rid of those trays back in 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. And since then, that is the number one opportunity to begin a composting program. Mm. When you have a food source and you have these trays that are kind of like, that go beautifully into a, a compost mix, sure. we could have had a commodity 
that we could have been selling and could have been a leader sure. in. But the problem is that I, and, and again, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little controversial in that fact. I don't really accept excuses well. And I think mm. that Arlington has really failed in a lot of ways um, in terms of sustainability. And they push it back on the citizens mm. to either uprise about a tree or about air quality. But um, this claim that we're green and sustainable, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer. A misnomer yeah. Right. That makes sense to me because, yeah. and it would have taught children, um, as you're talking about the composting, because that's another thing that it's a valuable lesson. I see my mm-hmm. niece and nephew being taught. Um, mm-hmm. My brother's mm-hmm. partner is English, and so you know everything is they they just they treat the earth and things around it in a different way. I I just can't see why we would want to do anything else. Those right. most valuable lessons are at the very core of the success of this country, mm-hmm. and it seems like we're really just holding on to the past and watching other, um, some people, pay the price for our mistakes. Right. And that applies to several areas, not just this. No. But we won't get into that. Right. No. So how did the movie come about? Can you talk about that? Well, um, so for a while I was running around in a styrofoam suit. I, you know, it's very hard to get press. It's hard to get attention. I remember one time I was at the Rosalind Jazz Festival, or we were, we were going as a family. That's well, the first thing I thought of. Let me just tell you, it, awful. it's hot and it off gases and it gives you oh. a headache. Oh. oh, wow. Which is how I ended up adopting the T-shirt with the styrofoam cup. But oh. I remember my family dropping me off and saying, we'll be right back. And they never came back. <laughs> and they never came uh-uh. back. No. So, so over the course, um, I think I did something similar to what you ladies are doing is, you know, you want to give back, but you can't, you can't be everywhere. And it is, you can't run around in a styrofoam suit <laughs> right, all right, the time. Right, right. So I started uh, a weekly news show mm-hmm. um, on the Arlington Weekly News. My segment is called The Sustainable Scoop. Mm-hmm. And over the course of time, I did bring politicians and individuals. And every so often, for the right person, I would ask the styrofoam question. Mm-hmm. So I had assembled a lot of interviews and I had done some individual events, you know, Styrofoam Trash or Treasure, to which Jay Fazette attended, Eleanor Hodges was there. Mm-hmm. This was in 2013. And again, getting people on the record of inactivity was really something I just started to file away. And then about two and a half years ago, somebody at the station said, you know, that guy Baggett made a really good movie about bags. You should make a movie about styrofoam. Sure. Uh-huh. I only wish they would have told me how uh-huh. hard that was going to no, be. I was going to say, <laughs> or and you, you once said, done it. Sure, oh, done. <laughs> I can do that. Done. I can do that. Oh, yeah. Right. It's it'll be yeah. easy. It'll be like writing to the principal and telling him what's wrong. Well, what an right. idiot, right? Sometimes it's better <laughs> yeah. for us not to know, or we wouldn't try to move forward with it. No, definitely not. I, I recently. I love when people say pe- people have said things to me <laughs> oh, like yeah. that in that same like. Oh, yeah. Here, Renee, could you just look into this? You're like, sure, I'll do that. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, I actually got a book recently on filmmaking and distribution. Mm -hmm. And the first chapter, I mean, I think the introduction scared me. (laughs) Getting through that book, I went to the part of the book where I was at, which is called Mastering. And I don't think I've mastered anything <laughs> in my life. So sometimes I, I my my personal saying is um, fail forward. Yeah. You know, you so may be going great, for the goal. Yeah. It's a great line. But even if fail you make forward. an inch. Sure. Yep. yep. Sure. So the so uh, 
I found a young man, um, a remarkable young man, whose heart is of gold, and um, he has some special needs, and remarkably over, overcame so much, um, went to George Mason, uh, got his degree in film studies, and he was volunteering here on the weekly news, and I think struggling, mm-hmm. because um, not, not a lot of people can handle uh, behavior issues mm-hmm. that go along right. with having sure. um, some kind of disability. But you know, I had some experience with that in the past, and so they said, you know, if you can get, if you can work with Corwin, you can really get a lot done. And the complexities of what I was trying to describe in the movie, and some of the visuals that I needed that I couldn't go and film, mm-hmm. he was able to animate. Wow. And between mm. that and the story, mm. his animations wow. helped to really crystallize yeah. the challenges. So um, some people, uh, you, you, somebody told me Mel Gibson says it takes five years to make a movie. So I'm really excited <laughs> that we only made it in two years. Two years, yes. But then somebody told me it takes another four years to distribute I think, it. I think that's right. Oh, yeah. no, I can't do that. What does, that's why well, I'm here. Anyone who's listening, please come. Come out of the woods. Work if you if you care about the long term success and longevity of our planet if you really are interested in plastic pollution I think this documentary does something that so many others do not it gives you a path and it also gives you an opportunity to have a discussion within your community and sometimes just getting the right people in the room and kind of showing them all the details. Being honest about business's perspective, mm-hmm. being honest mm-hmm. about, um, you know, the environmental issues can really create an opportunity for change. And so that's what I'm hoping Styrofoam Mom will do. That makes sense. And I was just going to circle back because I know you were saying that, you know, Mel Gibson says it takes five years. And I mean, a lot of that has to do, I think, with Hollywood and all the other people that are involved. Whereas, as you said, you've gotten something done in about two years and now... Yeah, it's, it's no, it's no planet blue or, or right, you know, but it's, it's not. Right. But you, weren't you at some kind of film festival? You were uh, so, accepted for? No, I have not. I My first acceptance, I hope, will come from the Hoboken Film Festival. Okay. What I did was a lot of screenings to edit and uh-huh, edit. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, at some point, I think my, my husband really was getting furious because he kept thinking I was done. And the thing is that, you know, the feedback that people offer helped me to refine the message and answer all the questions sure. that people had. They still have questions that they, invariably they'll be like, okay, Miriam, um, now what do I do? And, you know, some of that has to be up to government leaders mm-hmm. right. and it has to be up to businesses. Sure. I can't, I mean, what I have is a packaged film right. that provides a discussion, right. but to solve the problem, like this afternoon, I'll be on, on the phone with the president of the Sierra Club in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I can tell him who needs to be on the panel mm-hmm. and how to um, use it as a tool, mm-hmm. but really it's up to Atlanta, Georgia. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. There's, yeah. All right. Wake up call, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Miriam, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, lots of really interesting information. And of course, I this, still have questions, but it'll be nice to kind of follow what you're doing. What an eye opener this is. Yeah. Watch was. the trailer. It's a synopsis yeah. of the film, and yeah. I do encourage people to. I've seen, I've seen the film. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it? Yes. Yeah, yes I saw well, the film. I'll I saw absolutely the film. Watch Give it. me a review. I'm, I'm already envisioning <laughs> another show. Um, I should have told people, by the way listeners in the very beginning of this show, that Miriam is here as part of our ongoing series 
Arlingtonians who are out to change the world. Wow. How do you like that? That's powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big responsibility now yeah. on your part. Whew. But there really are people like that here in our community, and I want yeah, it only to give to them start with a one voice. Person. We need to give these people a voice. So um, if listeners would like to reach you, can you share your contact information? Sure, absolutely. So it's my email is miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M, at styrofoammom.com. Uh, I have uh, Twitter, which is Movie, and on Facebook and Instagram, it's styrofoammom. I, the best way to help me right now, the general citizen without writing a check, is like, share, and do all of those things that sometimes I forget to do, but right. they're critically you hear important. That? Do it. Like, share, whatever. <laughs> yes. Since the show is pre-recorded, we can't take live calls, but you can reach us on Facebook at Renee and Alyssa colon This Sold House or email us at thissoldhouse at gmail.com. Our website is thissoldhouse.us. Alyssa's cell is 703-585-8167. Renee's cell is 703-587-8584. And if you're a telemarketer, please don't call. Stay tuned for next week's show when we will be talking with appraiser Linda Braley. Linda will explain the appraisal process and why appraisals in a hot market like this one are more important than ever. Until next time. This is Renee and Alyssa, this sold house, signing off.